Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. You know that itch that you can't reach and it won't go away? That's still not worse than listening to this show. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you with the windows wide open from Concord, North Carolina. Hey, on tonight's show uh, in Pipe Parts, I'm going to give a trip report to the Raleigh Pipe Show from last week. And my guest tonight is a uh, relatively new pipe maker, Brian Orton, but Brian's making pipes at uh, really reasonable prices, and I'm looking forward to getting to know him. I really don't know him at all, except I've seen some of his work on uh, Facebook, so we got that. Uh, Music, a really big mailbag, and a tax time uh, rant for those of us here in the good old United States of America. But first, it's JDRF auction time remember all the proceeds every bit of it 100 percent of what you bid or what you pay goes directly to the jdrf to help uh, those with type 1 diabetes to find a cure and uh, make their uh, make their standard of living a little bit better um, right now on ebay the pipe stud steve fallon has listed a uh, savinelli pnt magazine pipe of the year and a ROP unsmoked prince-shaped uh, pipe with a horn stem. That's uh, some of those old uh, those old style ROP pipes that uh, smoking pipes has. And uh, all of this, every bit of it, 100% going to charity. These pipes end on Saturday when there will be uh, what is coming up? Two more pipes and another tobacco auction. Uh, Thank you very much to Brian who donated tobaccos last week and they sold right away for $75, so we're off to a good start. Um, Also down in the uh, show listings on uh, PipesMagazine.com, you'll see a link directly to my daughter's page where should you wish and don't want to buy anything, hey, you can go directly there and uh, just any donation will help. Anything's great. Remember, JDRF is the one group that focuses purely on type 1 diabetes. Type 1 is a genetic autoimmune disorder that means that people like my daughter have to uh, test their blood sugar five to seven times a day, give themselves shots of insulin, and uh, the long-term repercussions of dealing with this can be uh, can be rough on uh, on people. Eyesight, feet. Uh, all kinds of issues down the road, so we need to do what we can to find a cure and uh, to help care for all the type 1 diabetics in the world as best as possible. All that's going on this week and next week, and uh, hopefully we'll have a third week of auctions as well. Again, thank you to Steve Fallon, the pipe stud on eBay, and we'll put a link to his store page right down there in, uh, in the show notes. So do bid bid high, bid fast, and hey, if you just want to do a little cash donation, every little bit helps. We appreciate it. Our goal for this year, $1,500 between uh, auctions and uh, cash donations. That would be great. 
I realize it's a uh, tough time out there, and all of us in the tobacco industry are dealing with the FDA, but we sure do appreciate all the donations, and you know what? Life keeps going on, and we got to keep fighting for this. So, all right, there you go. Bid high, bid fast. Donate whatever you can. We appreciate it all. It's the one time of the year where the Pipes Magazine radio show asks our listeners for anything. So this is it. All right, everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's get the show rolling, and here we go. So my trip began last Thursday when I uh, went up to Raleigh, spent a day and a half in the office, and then the fun part began on Friday night. Uh, the Raleigh Pipe Club did a little uh, hors d'oeuvres gathering at a hotel right near where the pipe show was, and everybody gathered out on the porch. Um, good bunch of people there that came in the night before, mostly local, but uh, some of the group from Richmond came in, and uh, some of the folks from Charlotte, some of my uh, own local pipe club were there. Uh, interesting uh, story that that came up was... Uh, it was kind of cold and uh, windy. I mean, like, you know, 20-mile gusts and stuff. So we were all discussing how uh, how those great pictures of seafaring captains standing at the helm of their, uh, of their big sailing ships with their pipe and puffing away on it. We were all discussing about how they probably, uh, you know, singed the hell out of their beards, had ashes in their eyes, and burned their clothes from the wind blowing their pipe around. Or they had super special skills in packing a pipe, because pipe smoking in the wind is uh, not one of the easiest things to do. You kind of have to figure out where the wind is blowing and keep your pipe into the wind. And Anyway, it was a, it was a fun discussion, and uh, there were some other stories that happened. Um, spent that evening at, uh, went to dinner with, uh, Max Stokeby, caught up with him, and that was kind of fun to sit down and have dinner with him, and in the new job, yeah, it's not a conflict of interest, so that was even more of a benefit. Uh, the next day, the pipe show opened up bright and early at 9 a.m., and there was a decent crowd there that got, you know, got the day started. It was a little cold again, uh, surprisingly cold for, uh, early April in, uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. But again, the, the crowd was good. The pipe show, uh, the pipe club gave us all uh, coffee and donuts to, uh, keep ourselves going us vendors. So that made it nice, uh, ruined my diet. Thank you guys. But Hey, that's okay. Um, anyway, uh, looked like the, uh, the room was fairly well spread out. Looked like the table attendance was okay. There was some, people that I would have hoped to have seen there that I didn't see. Uh, I did notice a couple of new uh, craftsman-style pipe makers that were doing some interesting colors and interesting shapes, and uh, yeah, it looked like they had some uh, had some people that were interested in them. Uh, there were folks from the Durham, uh, uh, the Duke Tobacco Museum there showing off stuff, and uh, it was just a, I mean, it was a great little exhibit. And it's nice to see that the uh, tobacco heritage of North Carolina is still strong. Uh, of notable people that were there, uh, Jim Amash, better known to all of you as Jim Inks, has a picture of himself and the lieutenant governor of North Carolina and the lieutenant governor's son standing together smoking a pipe. Because apparently Jim got the... Uh, 
got the lieutenant governor to buy one of uh, Basil's uh, pipes right there, a red dog pipe, and he's now, the lieutenant governor of North Carolina is now a pipe smoker. Um, got to catch up with Dan Locklear. Nice to visit with Dan and hear what's going on in his world and uh, in the uh, in the new job, I have a little more free time to wander around and see what's going on, so that was nice. I did realize that, um, you know what, I screwed up. I didn't take any pictures of the show or post anything to Facebook. I probably wouldn't have been able to post them to Facebook that day because cell phone reception where I was for Sprint was terrible. But I didn't take any pictures. Um I did get a chance to uh, meet with some kids from the Wake Forest Pipe Club and hoping I'll be able to get up and see them next fall when they uh, when they start the new semester. They're kind of wrapping up for the year already. So Wake Forest University's had a pipe club that's been going on for, I think it's going on about 90 years now. Uh, but again, young kids that in college and they get together once a month and meet as a pipe club. So if you're on a college campus somewhere and you're a pipe smoker, you know what? Grab a few friends and start a uh, start a pipe club. Uh, if you're on a campus that doesn't allow pipe smoking on it, go off campus. Especially this time of the year when the weather's starting to get nice. Um, attendance stayed steady through the day. There was a lot of uh, there was a handful of artisan pipe makers, including. Uh, Steve Norris from Vermont Freehand, uh, Dave Huber was there, and a, and a couple of dealers smoking pipes had a table full of some great pipes, and I had to resist the temptation to uh, take one home with me, because I'm on a, a bit of a budget as we get ready for the Chicago Pipe Show. And uh, I'm sure I'm leaving some stuff out, but again, there was a handful of listeners that came by and said hi to me, and I really do appreciate that. Kind of gets me motivated to do uh, next week's show and hear that uh, you know hear from people that don't write in. So uh, if you see me at a pipe show or see me anywhere, do come up and say hello and introduce yourself. I appreciate that always. All right, there's the uh, Raleigh Pipe Show recap, and uh, let's see three. Uh, Three weeks from tomorrow, I leave for uh, three weeks. Is that right? Yeah, three weeks from tomorrow, I leave for Chicago for the big pipe show. All right, in just a minute, Brian Orton will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us from the other coast of the country is a relatively new young pipe maker, somebody that I'd never... I'd, 
Brian, I'll tell you, there were two things that caught my attention. One, your first name is the best name ever. And two, you're making some really cool looking pipes. So we're going to get to know you together. But please welcome Brian Orton to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you for having me. All right. So uh, so exactly how young are you and where did you grow up and uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I just turned 33 in uh, January here. And uh, I'm from Southern Oregon, right around Grants Pass area. That's where I was born and raised, and uh, I've lived here pretty much my whole life. And uh, I guess I'll find out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> not quite there yet. <laughs> Me neither. I'm still not sure what I want to do. Uh, did you have any woodworking skills before you decided that you were going to try to make a pipe? Well, I've, I've kind of experimented with certain things that were working when uh, I was growing up. My father's been around it his whole life, and uh, I've always loved woodworking, and uh, I've never really found anything that uh, fit for me. You know, I've done some wood burning and some, some turning and things like that, but nothing really ever, uh, it just didn't really match with me until I found uh, pipe carving. And did you find the, did, did you start carving pipes before you started smoking them, or did you smoke first? Uh, I started smoking about uh, almost four years ago now, a pipe, and uh, I've been covered for about a year and a half now. All right, so I always like to find out uh, how did the uh, how did the first pipe routine go? Where did you get it from, and uh, what tobaccos did you uh, torture yourself with? <laughs> uh, well, um, I think like a lot of most people, it was uh, a corn cob was my first piece. Uh, just to see if I'd like it, uh, you know, because I was smoking cigars occasionally prior to that, and uh, yeah, that's kind of an expensive habit. So yeah. uh, I started to see if a uh, pipe, pipe would uh, fit for me, and uh, I went and got a corn cob, and I think the very first tobacco I tried was a Borken Riff whiskey, and uh, that was a mistake. <laughs> uh, is, is your tongue still mad at you from that? <laughs> I think it is, yeah. Anytime I see it in the stores, I kind of cringe a little bit. But uh, after that, when I found uh, what real tobacco is, uh, and that's when it really uh, fit with me. So then I went on and uh, looked around for uh, other pipes online, and I ran across some Eric Nordings, which I really just loved. Uh, It really hit with me, uh, the the artist in freehand style. So uh, I purchased a couple of his pieces. Those were my first real pipes that I purchased. What was it that I mean drew you to a pipe? Did you have a an an older relative that had smoked one or was it just something that you said, you know what, I'm gonna try this? Well my uh my grandfather smoked several years and I've always been around him smoking it. So uh maybe in the back of my head that was always there, but uh I don't I'm not quite sure what uh actually gave me the appeal to it. So <laughs> So there you were, you didn't smoke cigarettes at all, you smoked the occasional cigar and jumped right on the pipes. That's about it, yeah. Uh, So before you started making pipes, how quickly or how fast was your pipe collection growing? Well, let's see, after I I found out I actually enjoyed it and uh, started appreciating the artistry, uh, I purchased a couple of Edward Nortons offline, and then I found an Edward Burke, uh, 
and after that, just grabbed a bunch of basket pipes up uh, until I got into the you know couple of dozens within the first month. And were you smoking every day or a couple times a day or? Uh, I was uh, when I first started. It was once a night. Get home after work and sit down with the pipe, and off you went. That's what it is. Actually, it was came home, put the kids to bed, and by the time that all settled down, I snuck outside for a nice, uh, relaxing evening. And, and being up there in Oregon, I would imagine some of those evenings get a little cool too. Well, it does. It can get down there pretty cool, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite fond of the nice, cool weather. Uh, you know, somewhere in the uh, late 40s, mid to late 40s, I really enjoy the coolness out there. Yeah, okay, we've separated paths already. <laughs> That's too cold for me. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a bit of a pansy. Um, so tobacco-wise, where did you end up finding your sweet spot? Well, I think my favorites are uh, Latkia blends. And straight Latkia, they're definitely my favorite. You know, Perique and Latkia, English blends are really my favorites. So that, uh, yeah, on a cool night and sitting out on sitting out with your pipe, and then the campfire smell of the Latkia burning, and it keeps the bugs away too. Yeah. That's probably why I've just been so used to being kind of outdoors, being around the campfire. That Latkia just was a natural fit for me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anybody from Oregon that doesn't like being outdoors. I think it's just <laughs> inbred that you really don't have to have a house. You just have to have a good front porch or a fire pit. Uh, I think it is. It's just in the genes over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that and you guys all like craft beers, so I'm assuming you don't like Budweiser. Actually, I do not drink. Well, now you're, now you're not. Now you may lose your Oregon card. I know, I know. Not since I was young. Yeah. Had an incident when I was younger, and never since. <laughs> well, good for you. Um, so pipe making started about a year and a half ago. How'd you get started? Well, actually, uh, I had an incident in my family. Uh, that kind of wore onto my psyche there. So I was kind of just looking for something to keep my mind occupied at the time. Um, and it just, uh, sat down one night. I had my hair sorting piece in my hand and I said, you know what, let's uh, give it a shot. Let's see uh, if I can carve a piece. And from there on, I just went with it. Did you use any of the forums or uh, any of the YouTube videos for instruction, or did you just kind of dissect what you had in front of you and said, I'll, I'll make that? I'll just, I just went for something. My first one was pretty blocky and clunky. Uh, I didn't quite know what I was going for. Um, and then my second one was just a natural poker, and it was a little better. It actually looked like a pipe, so... <laughs> Uh, what kind of tools were you using at the start? Well, when I started, I'm, I'm pretty much using the same tools I am now. Uh, I'm pretty minimalist. I just rasped of files and uh, durable work. Uh, it's pretty much the majority of all my tooling right now. Um, occasionally, I use some shaping on a, uh, a sandy pad on a Dremel that I've uh, converted with a sandy disc. 
Uh, that's about it, though. I don't really use any kind of lathe work or uh, any kind of other machinery. I do so, everything else by hand. So when we're talking about a handmade pipe, I mean, we're talking about a pipe that's been in your hands an awful lot. Pretty much, yes. Is Not the, to say that I... Yeah, go ahead. Not to say that I wouldn't like to get into a, a actual shop, but... Uh, I have some remodel work going on right now, and once I get done with my house, I'll move on to my shed and convert that into my shop so I can have some real tools working with me. And you also have another you have another full-time life outside of that, too. Yes, I have a full-time job, kids, so... Yeah. So I want, to, I want to talk to you in particular about, I guess it's kind of like a tree bark rustication that I've seen that you do. Uh, yes. I mean, it's it's intricate and it's beautiful. I'm I'm assuming that's all Dremel work and different kinds of stains. Yes, all my uh, all my texture work's done with the Dremel bits and multiple different stains. And if I mean, how much time goes into just working with the Dremel tool on those? Uh, just finishing up and doing the texture work. Uh, I mean, I can put anywhere between, you know, seven to 20 hours into a piece, just depending on what the piece is and, uh, you know, the, the complexity of the texture work. Wow. Are you burning through a lot of the bits on the Dremel tool? Because I know Briar is exceptionally hard. Uh, the smaller the bits are, uh, the duller they get, the quicker that they uh, dull. So they go through pretty fast when I'm getting into the very tight uh, grain like that tree bark one. Yeah, and so so you may have, in addition to the standard pipe making process of it and making the stem for the pipe, then you've got all those hours just finishing the exterior. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there a pipe shape that you're trying to work out right now, that, or something that you're something else that you're trying to perfect? Uh, right now, I'm kind of uh, trying to go with my my assembly model is what I'm trying to work on right now. It's uh, a piece that can be taken apart uh, that I have on there with an interior teller and shaft, and you can disassemble the piece so the the bowl, the shaft, uh, the shank, and all can be uh, disassembled. Uh, disassembled, and I kind of got an inspiration from the uh, German makers over there that uh, do similar work like that. I'm trying to perfect that right now. So you're you're saying that once you get, you could just kind of collapse that pipe down and park it in your pocket real easily. Yeah, the, 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 everything slides off the internal shaft, so you can take the bowl off, you can take the shank off, and the stem, and then it comes into three or four pieces and disassembles. Wow, so, so there's a there's a bit of an engineering nightmare to try to conquer. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to see how far I can take that and play with the you know different uh, ways you can uh, connect it and dismantle the pieces. Yeah, and I'm seeing on the uh, the Facebook page is Orton O R T O N pipes P I P E S, and I can see there's a video on there of you assembling one and kind of playing with it and i guess you can can you make it any you can use either long parts or short parts while you're uh smoking it 
Oh yes, you can just you can that one video that's on there. There's two different stems on that attachment that you can uh, set up on there. So one is a another acrylic piece that slides off the back, and so you can have a, a slanted stem, or you can take that section off, and uh, then you can connect a straight stem and make it more of a traditional poker. So you can have all different shapes of pipes in one pipe. Yes. <laughs> And, and on top of all this engineering stuff, now you're making two stems for one pipe on top of that. Yes. So, so, it's, so it's not exactly the most uh, efficient manufacturing process. Uh, not quite. I mean, on some of those, I do do a, a prefab stem because it does, uh, you know, cut into the profits a little bit. Plus, I, you know, being so uh, new to the field, I haven't quite mastered the, the art of stem work, which I believe is the most complicated part of making the pipe. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's a perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, stem work and pipes and uh, fun outdoors in Oregon. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Brian Orton, and uh, so we were just getting started on stems, and yeah, I mean, stem work's a whole different beast, so you're, are you doing some hand-cut stems and some uh, pre-molds that you're shaping? Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, what is it about the stem that's, uh, I, I know the stem work is not easy at all, and it's time-consuming, is it just the just to condense the time down that you're using some prefab? Uh, well, that and just, uh, I think my lack of tooling is another part. You know, like I said, I do everything by hand. So that's actually the drilling too. I'm actually using hand drills. So, uh, my precision isn't exact like it would be on a lathe doing those holes. Yeah. And you're doing bent stems as well. So how are you bending them? Are you just, finding a heat source and use and bending them by hand oh uh, yes you just use a just a simple heat gun just heat them up and then you can bend them to whatever degree if you want uh, a fourth and full you know third bend wow so, so i know most guys will most guys will have the shapes and everything laid out and they'll try to do a bent that way but it's like no not quite working uh all right, so um, 
is there a shape of a pipe that's given you problems or one that's more difficult for you to make? Uh, yeah, right now I'm, I'm kind of playing around with uh, uh, Bulldogger, Rhode Island, because that camper top is quite difficult to do by hand when you're not uh, spinning that on a lathe. So that's kind of giving me a couple issues right now, but I'm working on one right now. And you'll, and you'll just have to turn it all by hand. Uh, yeah, just keep, uh, I'm just pull out my digital calipers and keep stacking it and keep cutting away material. So you mentioned that you know, pipe making is your third job behind uh, behind the family and the full time job. What is your what's your full time job? I work at a manufacturing facility. Uh, I run that. Uh, we we uh, produce uh, pressurized canisters of water. What's a pressurized canister of water used for? Uh, there's multiple uses. Uh, the company I work for, uh, some of it's to uh, rehydrate and moisturize your eyes. And then there's another product through there that's uh, uh, a medical wash. Oh, okay. So we're talking like small small things. I was picturing like big tanks of pressurized water to shoot out like fountains. or. Uh, no, they're uh, between one and seven ounces of water. Oh, okay. And... In in Oregon, with everybody being outdoors, uh, what do you like to do? Well, when I'm not working or around my kids, uh, dealing with life, uh, you know, I just go out, you know, hunting, fishing, camping. The typical Oregon. Standard Oregon. Uh, yeah. And you wear a lot of flannel. Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. And you've got a big beard, so you're perfect Oregon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it's probably it's just in the genes here, I guess. Yeah, no, it's a it's a standard Oregon ad. Uh, yeah, the Oregon uniform. <laughs> that's it. Uh, has the beard ever gotten gotten in the way of pipe smoking? Uh, I think I've seen you a couple times, but uh, no big deal. <laughs> It'll it'll grow right back, won't it? Yeah. Uh, any uh, any ideas of uh, or any hopes of coming to any pipe shows and showing off your stuff? I would have loved to have made uh, made the uh, Chicago show this year, but I just uh, didn't have the time or the money to get up there. So I would definitely like to beat uh, all the carvers and get up there next year for sure. Yeah, I mean, with you doing this in addition to the family and and work, how many pipes a year do you think you're able to make? Well, it's all just uh, depending what else is going on in my life at the time. There was a time when I first started, I was knocking out about 10 pieces a month. Uh, But, you know, it's right when I first started, first couple months. So they were still kind of pretty clunky and uh, weren't as precise as as I'm making now. So I try to do, uh, you know, Anywhere between two to four pieces a month. And what's the uh, what's the price range on your pipes? Uh, just depending on material and all that such, and uh, all the work that I put into it, I, I go anywhere between eighty-five and one twenty-five. So several times in the past, I've had listeners ask for us to have uh, guests on that are in a uh, in a lower price range. Well, here you go. I mean. Brian's making pipes primarily 90% by hand and 
under 125 bucks. So uh, now we just need to now we need to get you making pipes full time so that you can make more. Yeah, that's uh, that's my goal. Sometime in the future, I would love to just be full time. It's a uh, it's a bit of a scary step over that. Yeah, definitely. So I just I want to go back to the to the pipe that I saw on your Facebook page that has, I mean, just a beautifully sculpted looks like a looks like a tree trunk that maybe a raccoon would live in. Uh, but you've got green moss on it that looks exactly like a tree trunk would with some moss growing on it. Is that a stain and cutting and trimming or how, how'd you do it? And is it going to last on there for a long time? Well, uh, everything on the sides, I'm sure it will. I have a piece that I've done for myself and it still lasted, but, uh, any kind of excess charring to the top, it's starting to wear down a little bit, but, uh, the green is still there permanent. It's all stained. Uh, so yeah, I just go in there and, uh, do all my texture work and then go over the top of it like it'd be moss uh, growing over the top of the bark and then I finish it with the stain. And then you go back over the bark and you do what looks like some more sanding so that there's different colors in the bark as well. So how many different how many different stains are there on that pipe before you're done with it? On that one I have I believe four different colors on there. And then I went back, because uh, there's sections on the bark there, where I actually came back and just sand it off and try to get more of a natural contrast on there. Yeah, so can you, do you have to cover the pipe in the in one full color and then go back and add more to it, or are you staining in sections? Yeah. Uh, with that uh, specific type right there, when I tried to do the moss, I wanted to look as vibrant as possible. So I try to leave that as natural, or I go back in and, and dremel off all the uh, dark staining, and then go back over with the, the greens and yellows. And do you have any idea how many hours you have into that pipe? Uh, I think from start to finish, I'm somewhere, it's actually relatively quick on that one. I believe I'm somewhere around maybe 10 hours. <laughs> so. Uh, 10 hours and if it's at the top of the price range yeah you're uh, yeah it's a good thing you're not living off of pipe making at this point that's uh certainly true yeah and all right i know i know absolutely nothing about fishing or hunting but when is if somebody wanted to go fishing or or hunting i'm i'm assuming they're different times of the year but maybe they aren't uh when's a good time to come up to oregon for for each one you know i really uh there's some questioning right there i really can't answer because uh, i haven't done it in quite a while so being uh so uh, busy with work and carving and children I, I don't think i've been out fishing or hunting in geez it's been quite a while you can't just go out in your backyard and just wait for stuff to walk by and uh take a shot at it or <laughs> Uh, actually I could, but, uh, I don't. <laughs> your, your neighbors are not, uh, are not, uh, suitable for hunting. <laughs> I don't know. I think a couple of them might be. <laughs> All right. Well, let's not get you in trouble. Uh, 
But Brian, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah. So what is your favorite pipe? My favorite shape or favorite maker or... Whatever you want to answer. Hmm. Well, currently my favorite pipe is the one I'm smoking right now. Is this Mark Pinsky piece that I just purchased. It's a beautiful piece. And then what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, currently my favorite tobacco is one of the blends I just uh, mixed up. It's just uh, a Latakia vanilla, maple. Oh, so you did your own blending at home? Yeah, I just purchased a couple uh, tobaccos from other manufacturers and just tried out a couple different blends. And the question is, is do people around you enjoy that? Uh, I've sent most of uh, my customers a couple samples of all my blends I've been making. <laughs> Don't say that too loud. The FDA may hear you. But as long as you're yeah. just doing it for friends. Um, yes. What is your favorite drink? coffee there you go and uh that's another oregon thing are you uh are you roasting your own or you got a favorite blend that you get because i mean, some of the best coffee shops i've been to are near portland uh yeah i go to uh one of my roasters here it's uh called real roasters and they have a, a blend it's called bali blue moon it's uh got a kind of a blueberry uh head to it so that's my favorite blend oh. That sounds good. Um, when it's time to relax, which I don't think you do, um, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, I like to sit back and play guitar. Uh-oh. What kind of, what style? Uh, I play uh, acoustic. Uh. And I play anything from kind of finger-picking classic to uh, classical blues. All right, how long have you been playing? I've been playing guitar probably around seven and a half, eight years now. And you're probably, all right, never mind, you're probably way better than I am. Um, <laughs> and the the final question is, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Well, hmm. Yes, uh, yeah, I think I do. Uh, I was up uh, following some trees up on the, my father's property, and I remember just sitting down. Um, it was actually right before I started carving, um, and just sitting down after I fell a couple trees and sat down on the stump and uh, just took all uh, took all the view in and how beautiful it was and peaceful, and sat down, loaded up a pipe, and started smoking it. That is uh, that. That's the quintessential Oregon moment. <laughs> I would say so. Was that uh, was the wood for? Was that for firewood? Yes. Uh, all right. So, in order to uh, get a hold of you, we need to go to Facebook and send you a uh, private message or uh, follow you. And again, it's Brian. B-R-I-A-N, spelled the right way, not the weird Y way. And the last name is Orton, O-R-T-O-N. We, we need to get out there and support these uh, new pipe makers that are uh, making pipes at a reasonable price and 
Brian, you're doing great work, so keep it up. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Well, thank you very much, sir. And we'll be back in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back, and I forgot to mention a happy Passover and a happy upcoming Easter. So there we go. Got all got all the Judeo-Christian people celebrating this week. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, check out Brian's Pipes. I mean, seriously, check them out. If you like them, grab them now before, his, before he realizes how much time and effort he's putting into them and how little money he's making for them. Um, anyway, it's Brian Orton, O-R-T-O-N, on Facebook. All right, for music, we're going back to uh, my friend Dom Flemons. Dom has a uh, an album that came out last year with Martin Simpson, and it's called Ever Popular Favorites. This song is kind of fun, so listen to the lyrics. Listen to it all the way through. It's called John Hardy. Throw John Hardy back in jail. They 
throw John Hardy back in jail. They throw John Hardy back in jail. And John Hardy had a pretty little girl, and the dress that she wore was blue. She come down to the old jail cell. She said, Johnny, I've been true to you. She said, Johnny, I've been true to you. She said, Johnny, I've been true to you. She said, Johnny, I've been That she wore was red And she come down To that old jail cell She said, Johnny, I would rather See you dead She said, Johnny, I would rather see you dead She said, Johnny, I would rather See you dead Johnny, I would rather See you dead Babe, I've been to the east I've been to the west And I've been this whole wide world around I've been to the river and I've been baptized. You just take me to my hanging ground. You take me to my hanging ground. You take me to my hanging ground. You take me to my hanging ground. Uh, some old time folk music and uh, sounds like uh, John Hardy might have been a, a little bit of a troublemaker and quite a pistol what's this a letter for me in the mailbag and remember if you've got a comment or question you can uh, email me brian at pipesmagazine.com you can post it on the pipes magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com or uh, send it by facebook or uh, carrier pigeon Anyway, in response to last week's show with Rob Cooper, Dino said, A truly delightful show. Rob's experiment, his pipe care insights, and his stories were fascinating and informative. In the posted photo of Rob, I think you and he could pass for first cousins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the music was very nice, and as for the sermon, amen. Thanks, Dino. You're welcome. Uh, Jason the Bruce says, Brian, I agree. Using the technique put forth by John Fordham has totally changed my smoking experience. I have only been in the hobby for about a year now, but I love that there is always something new to learn. Using John's technique of spinning the tamper has led to better smokes with almost no relights. I also enjoyed learning Rob's methods of pipe upkeep. Keep up the great work. Thank you. We will. And then I Play Guitar said, I thoroughly enjoyed your guest segment this week, especially the cleaning ritual he described on his one-year pipe. However, it appeared to me that he spent more time cleaning than smoking. Five bowls a week is less than a bowl a day. One pipe for a year's worth of smoking would not have bothered me as much as limiting myself to one tobacco. 
I'm constantly varying my tobacco and trying new things. Having said that, I'm, I admire people who can stick with one thing for so long to each his own. See you in Chicago, Brian. Um, yeah, you know what? I think his, I, I think his cleaning technique uh, afterwards of just a five-minute uh, five clean uh, wipe-down of a pipe is not too much to ask for if you're only smoking one pipe a day or one bowl full a day and you're only going to smoke that one pipe. Um, I think for those of us that smoke more than one bowl a day that or one pipe a day, you know, that might get to be too much. Like me, four or five pipefuls, and that now you're looking at 25, 30 minutes at the added on to your day. Um, looking forward to seeing you. Al Jones, SS Jones writes, Rob's last interview was very enjoyable, but I thought, does Rob have more to offer? Short answer, yes. That interview was chock full of great insights and a lifetime of learning from Rob. I really identified with his methods of cleaning estates and maintaining his personal pipes. I follow pretty much the same regimen, including only soaking estates with alcohol salt for a few hours. I've also come to rely on sandpaper for a more precise method of removing a previous owner's cake. The advice to try different styles and materials in pipes was also spot on. Early on, I tried a lower-end Peterson with a P-lip acrylic stem. I hated that one, but later learned that the Vulcanite P-lip stems are very much to my liking and have almost become my favorite. The one-pipe experiment was also very interesting. Just last week, my wife told me that you don't need to pack a lot of pipes for our trip next week. Can't you make do with one? <laughs> Shouldn't wives mind their own business? But Rob's comments about smoking 50 to 60 bowls through a pipe made me think, with my current count, getting 50 bowls on a particular pipe will take, will take a while. I've recently purged some pipes to get more regular use in my favorites. In the interview, just that point alone gave me a lot to consider. Yeah, there you go. Uh, gave me a lot to consider, too, because uh, I was wondering, do my pipes get enough service? Have I really gotten to the sweet spot of them? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, the Kilted One writes, Hi, Brian. I'm finally caught up, and I have to say another excellent show as always. It's interesting to find out how your technique has changed over time. While I like the idea of twisting the tamper instead of applying pressure, I think I'll have to find one with a larger head than my current model. Uh, I, my wife would say I've got a larger head uh, than my current model. Anyway, uh, he goes on to say, I really enjoyed Rob's interview. Having attended his last two seminars at the Chicago show, I enjoyed hearing about his one-pipe experiment. Having tried only smoking one pipe for the month of March, you couldn't pay me to try it for a whole year. I also like his method for keeping a pipe clean. Unfortunately, I've been known to neglect a pipe until the next time I want to smoke it, knocking out the dottle and giving it a once-over before packing the bowl I want to smoke. Um, yeah, yeah, you need to... Maybe do a little bit better job on cleaning it out right after you're done smoking it. Uh, he then says, On last week's rant, I help run a youth club and would be surprised how many people's parents don't offer any support to the squadron or whom we've never even met. That said, there are a lot of good parents out there who do a lot uh, who do a lot to help out and it's so it's not all bad. For this week's rant, I always have a pipe in my jacket pocket. 
It's still too cold to sit outside here, but if I'm out for a walk or in the smoking area outside my favorite drinking establishment, then I almost always have my pipe lit. I even take it to work just in case I find an opportunity to escape. I get a lot of good comments, too. There you go. Way to go. And you're not exactly in the nicest weather all year long ever, really. And lastly, Birdseye said, Possibly I missed something, but am still not quite sure. Why did this experiment? Was it to see how the pipe would react to being constantly smoked? He also never talked about how often he smoked it. Every day, if so, how many bowls, if not how often. Thanks, Nelson. Uh, Nelson, it was uh, one bowl a day, about five days a week. And so it got weekends off. Um, kind of like a, a vacation job. Anyway, I asked Rob if he would respond, and Rob wrote, I want to give a response to Birdseye about my Pipes Magazine interview comment as to why I performed my one-year pipe experiment. Over the past 18 years since I've been selling high-grade pipes on eBay, I had found myself transitioning from a pipe collector to a pipe smoker. In our hobby, we tend to identify ourselves to our fellow hobbyists in our pipe collecting tribe by our pipe collections. Some examples are Rich Esserman with his magnum-sized high-grade briars, Rick Newcomb by his European ultra-high-grade pipes, Fred Hanna with his perfect straight-grain pipe collection, Chuck Rio with his Costello pipes, and may he rest in peace, Mr. Tony Soderman by his Canadian pipe collection, and the late Mike Reschke with his Parker pipe collection. I was known in our hobby for my W.O. Larson straight-grain straight grain pipe collection. As I transitioned into a full-time eBay seller, this now became my identification among our tribe. At my wife's suggestion, I, told, I sold most of my Larson pipe collection as I have way more pipes than I truly need. Today we live in a land of plenty, a land of excesses. More than what we need, way more. Just look at the size of closets in, our, in new homes compared to homes built 100 years ago. Today's closets are the size of a small bedroom. Do we really need that much stuff? I have come to learn that living with less allows me to appreciate more what I do have. Our fathers and grandfathers typically owned one to three pipes. They were mostly viewed as long-term disposable and not many took care of their pipes. I was guilty as the next guy in my buying a pipe, breaking it in and then looking for another pipe. As part of my experiment, I wanted to take a step back and develop a further appreciation for the fantastic smoking pipes that I already own. To do so first meant living without them for a year. The second thing that I wanted to do is to develop an appreciation and learn from my experience of breaking in and smoking just one pipe over the past year, like my grandfather. I logged about 300 bowls in that pipe. While some days I did not smoke my pipe, there were others where I would enjoy two bowls. Uh, would I be quick to repeat the experiment? Probably not. However, as a result, I have a newfound appreciation for the pipes that I do own and look forward to rotating them again. Also, as a result, I have a favorite pipe, the pipe that traveled with me for the entire last year. That pipe will be cherished, cherished and enjoyed by me for the rest of my life. Would I recommend this experiment to others? Yes, but only to those who are advanced enough in our hobby that know exactly what works for them. Otherwise, they are denying themselves a full year of varied experience and self-education growth and experience, and resultant taste. 
that various pipes and tobaccos will provide for them. As to another listener's I play guitar comment that I probably spent more time cleaning the pipe than smoking it, uh, in my Group 4 Dunhill pipe, I primarily enjoyed Virginia Flake types of tobaccos. A bowlful will take me between an hour to an hour and a half of smoke. It takes five minutes to clean the pipe afterwards. Those five minutes are the best investment of time that I could spend in order to receive a maximum enjoyment from my pipe uh, for the next day's hour to a- hour and a half's time. I wouldn't want to eat my next meal from the dirty dishes of my last meal. It should be no different with a pipe. Not only for me or any of your viewers, but for anyone who smokes a pipe. I cannot begin to tell you how many pipes come through my doors to sell for fellow hobbyists that have been thoughtlessly neglected over the years. Many that I return as they are fouled beyond my willingness to put my Cooper's Ark name behind them and sell them. All I know is that when I take the time to smoke a pipe, I want the maximum enjoyment from it and will take the steps that are required to do so. Thanks again for the opportunity to share my experience with your viewers. When you want to do another interview with me, it would be my privilege to oblige. Uh, I've already talked to Rob about coming back on and coming up with a whole new slant. Uh, The one thing that I want to mention that I think would be interesting, and I've done this before where I've only gone away on vacation with one pipe, is you become extremely familiar with that one pipe where as over time, if you're rotating five pipes a day, you may not become as familiar with them. Or if you're rotating through, you know, 24, 36 pipes during a month, you may not become as familiar with them. So it's kind of like, uh, hopping in a different car to drive it. Every time you go to drive, you got to get re-familiarized with where everything is in that car. Uh, but there you go. Those are my two cents. All right. Uh, comments, questions, again, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page or uh, email me, brian, at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, next week, we'll talk primarily uh, pre-Chicago Pipe Show because it's coming up. And I want to give you a little insight into what I've done already and what I'm still going to do as I prepare for a slightly different Chicago Pipe Show for me. And some uh, things that on the schedule that you may want to attend that you may not have seen yet. All right, rant time coming up. Cowboy. Cowboy. If you think the Ides of March are bad, well, here in the United States of America, the Ides of April are even worse. Why? Because it's tax day. Tax day, when your taxes are due, you have to file your tax return and you have to go through all the games. Well, I don't know about you in other countries, and if if in other countries you have a similar situation to us, please let me know. But there are so many different variables and stupid tax options and tax write-offs out there that just a simplified basic tax plan would benefit us all. Simplify it, cut out all these loopholes. Let me tell you a loophole that I have available to me. Uh, Because of my job and being in the pipe and tobacco industry, I am allowed to expense, I'm allowed to write off personal purchases of reasonably priced pipes 
as a tool of my trade. Because I was selling tobacco, I needed to have pipes in order to understand it. Therefore, I write off a certain amount of my pipe purchases during the year as tools of the trade. If I buy tobacco of a competitor, or if I buy tobacco to talk about on the Pipes Magazine radio show, that's a tool of the trade or something that I used for work. And it's tax deductible. All those wonderful uh, suits and shirts and stuff that you see me wear, if I need to have them cleaned, that's tax deductible. These are all stupid things that come along with the cost of being in the job that you are, but because we've got such a screwed up, overinflated tax system that we can deduct these down, we need to have all these extra deductions. Well, stop it. Stop it. Let's just have a basic, simpleized, flat tax plan where everybody pays their fair share and everybody gets along happy. Your thoughts? If it's different in your country, please let me know. I may want to move there. All right. Uh, once again, JDRF auctions are on right now. Pipe Stud on eBay. Go check him out. Bid high, bid fast on those. We do appreciate it. I want to thank Brian for uh, joining me and thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy God, do we have any crucifixions today? 139, sir. Special celebration. Passover, sir.